Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, we do give you thanks that you're an anchor. I know there are times uh, in my life, whether it's seasons, days, uh, I feel like never-ending times that uh, the storm tosses us around, whether me or our church or people, and I just pray we would know you as an anchor, that... uh, with you as our rock, as our redeemer, anchor, um, we would not be tossed to and fro. I know there are lives here that need an anchor, and I pray they look to Jesus for it. Thank you for this day. Thank you that we can praise you. Thank you that we can trust in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a seat. Be doing something different today. Um, and we're starting a new series. And I'm using this table for communion. We're going to take communion at the close we always do. But uh, using this even even this table for a reason, as you'll hear later. But what I'm uh, I'm doing different to start with is I'm making a presumption. And I don't like to make presumptions. My wife says never make presumptions. Uh, The presumption I'm making is that a lot of y'all in here are Christians. You're like, well, that, maybe that's an easy presumption to make. Or maybe you say, maybe you should make that presumption. Well, the last sermon series that we did, I actually made the presumption that a lot of you like weren't Christians because I see uh, how you live and kind of the worries and the stresses. And we look in Scripture and we sing about joy, peace, and surrender. And, and like, I don't, I don't see that a whole lot in the culture, in this little corner that we live in in our world. And so I'm just wondering, you know, how many Christians there are. But today I'm going to say, you know, I believe that many of y'all are Christians, although I'll hang to that, that even, even some of y'all here uh, are not what we'd say born again. But I'm going to say, okay, y'all are Christians. Now, if you're a Christian, if you have taken on Christ, if you claim his name, then technically, biblically, Literally, however you want to cut it, you're on mission. You have taken on a mission. It's not just, yeah, I'll take Jesus so I get heaven and past sins forgiven. You're on mission. That's what being a Christian means. And it spells it out in, in one of the theme verses of this church. And, and theme verses really for the church, the capital C church. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Jesus says, go, go. Make disciples of all nations. And the reason it's a theme verse here is because we really like to turn that verse on its head for what it really means. Because the go in Greek, and many of y'all have heard me say this and y'all will hear it again, maybe some for the first time. The go that Jesus says in Greek literally means as you go. As you go. I mean, some disciples there went to nations. Thomas heard Jesus. He went to India. They went to Rome. Paul wanted to go to Spain. It does mean like go, but more so than that, it means as you go. As you go about your daily life. As you go about your work, what we're going to be talking about. As you go about your relationships. As you go about your marriage. As you go about babysitting. As you go about going to the soccer field. As you go about going to the football game. You know, whatever flavor team you like. As you go, you have taken on a mission that your life is now in Jesus and Jesus is in you. 
and your mission is to make disciples of all nations. Like, okay, got it. Got it. Now, how do you do that? Not that simple. I mean, how do you, how do you live as you go? I mean, do you, like, help, you know, old ladies across the street or, you know, just kind acts? Or do you, do you like, witness, you know, at, at parties, at social events you go to, you know, over a glass of wine or something? Do you, I mean, do you say, you know, you know, you thought about your salvation tonight, you know, if, you know, something happened? Probably not the best strategy. Probably not the best strategy here. But, I mean, if you want to do it, man, roll with it. I'd, I'd love to hear how it goes um, at that party. What do you do? What, what do you do? And, and some of you are like, man, I, I do enough. I mean, I work hard. I'm trying to honor my marriage, raise my kids. Man, I'm even going on mission trips now, you know, that the church provides, stuff like that. What do you do? What do you, how do you live this as you go life? Well, John fourteen six. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am life. And then if you say, you know, I got Jesus, then Jesus is your life. And then your life changes. The answer to how do you live as you go is you see your life totally different now. You see your life different, and it is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he was talking to Nicodemus, who was a man of of fairly prominent wealth and fairly prominent position in John 3. And he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can a man enter his mother's womb again? That's not what he's talking about. It's about seeing your life different. That's why the last sermon series I was questioning, I don't know if a lot of you like got it, I mean, I think you want to hope for heaven as fire insurance. And man, thankfully, all those past, you know, muddy sins, dirty sins are, are done. But salvation is seeing your life different. So I am presuming that a lot of you are Christians, and now you've got to see your life different. And then, you know, what, how does that change it? There was a, uh, there was a guy that I admired greatly. Um, I didn't actually know him. I admired him from afar in college. And I'm not going to say his name because probably some of you know him. You might have gone to college with him at Ole Miss. And anyway, he was a uh, uh, really just, man, just a, just a great guy. I mean, had all these gifts. Um, you know, blew, blew grades out the water. I mean, you know, 4.0, all that. Um, great athlete. Was just a, a fierce ultimate Frisbee player. I, I loved it. I can't play it now. But anyway, really good there. And... Strong believer. And I was just thinking, man, this guy is just, he could be president of the United States one day. And then he went to New York, and uh, he got some job in finance and, like, really, like, turned this thing around, I don't know, the company or, you know, and, and made a good bit of money in three years. And then this cat went to seminary. And at that time, I was not thinking about, like, pastor, preacher, you know, in my future at all. But I was like, whoa, that just kind of jolted me because here's a guy who, okay, strong, you know, faith and all that, but was doing everything right to be this great success in the world. Now he goes to seminary? I mean, can't you do anything better with your life? And I remember asking, you know, just, man, curiosity, you know, why seminary? And he said, and I'll never forget this, and this answer really changed my life. He said, Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life. So if he's the most important thing in my life, I want to know as much as I can about him, and I want to serve him as best as I can. He said, I don't know if I'll be pastor or not, but I'm going to seminary, 
and I'm serving him for the rest of my life. And so me, at that point, when I was like trying to find my purpose and figure out what I was going to do with my life, that rocked my world and said, okay, I lay the claim that Jesus is the most important thing in my life. Am I trying to know as much about him as I can? Am I trying to serve him as best I can? Negatory. And then I was like, you know, the guy's got a point. And I started thinking about seminary. Now, let me say this. That doesn't mean that all of y'all need to go to seminary, be a pastor or a missionary. But some of you might. Some of you might. I mean, you know, there are two kind of examples that, well, really we'll be hitting on over the next month. The one is that type of person that feels a call to professional ministry. Uh, I put something, I posted something on Facebook yesterday. I was really impressed. This guy named Chris Martin drafted in the NFL, gave it up. I mean, like high draft and said, I'm, I'm going to seminary to be a pastor. Uh, there's another guy, a rapper. I've kind of gotten into rap. Some of you that may have just rocked your Wait, John Hugh, rap. I, I know, yeah, it's because of my wife. And, and not, she doesn't like rap either. But, but she, this guy named Trip Lee, I don't know, but he's like a rapper. And uh, he, he gave up his profession, and now he's working as an associate pastor in this formal church in D.C., it's called Capitol Hill Baptist Church. I used to go there a little bit. I mean, suit and tie. He's an associate pastor because he believes in the church, because he feels called to ministry, and he's in this church. Now, there are other examples, too. Football player, athletes, Tim Tebow. He said, hey, I'm going to live my, and I hope he gets a job. He, you know, said, I'm going to live my faith as I go in the NFL, and he's going to play NFL ball. Then there are other, a rapper, Lecrae, who I don't listen to, but he won a Grammy, so that you know, makes me feel good about quoting him. Lecrae, and he's saying, I'm going to stay in the music industry, and I'm going to live my faith there, so as you go. So some people are very called to, hey, professional ministry through the church. Others are saying, hey, I'm going to live as you go. So what about y'all? Let's go back to, it's kind of a preface for this whole sermon series. As you go, I'm titling the series this month, Working for a Living. And I want to turn that phrase upside down too. And what I mean is, if Jesus is your life, and Jesus is your living, then your work matters to Christ. Whether you're a doctor, lawyer, whether you mow yards, whether you're an accountant, you know, whether you write music or books or articles or paint or art, you know, whatever it is, your then work matters for Christ. Your life, yes, in its totality is Jesus's. And he wants to not only shape it, but he wants to live through you, through your work. And that's why we need people going into professional ministry. And at the same time, we need wonderful Christian artists and athletes and physicians and attorneys. That's not an oxymoron, Christian attorneys, John Waits. That's waking you up over there. And attorneys and politicians and entrepreneurs who say, this is how God has shaped me and wired me, and I'm passionate about this, and now Christ is going to live through me in my work, in everything I do, to reflect his glory, working for a living. Your work matters to God. Your life matters to God. If you're a Christian, you're saying, Jesus is my life. Not work, but your work, God will work through. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we're going to get into Scripture, but the first thing I would say on Labor Day weekend, tying to that, is... Many of us look at ourselves as laborers. And Jesus even said, 
you know, the harvest is plenty, laborers are few. So we labor, we work for Christ. But to begin this whole series, I'd like to say, I, I beg you, if you call yourself a Christian, look at your life in a different way, not as a laborer worker, as a creator. Say that again, as a creator. You're like, I'm not, I'm not like artistic, I'm not, you know, I don't write, or I don't paint, or I don't... Um, you know, whatever it is, create, we all create. We all create. Uh, we create conversations. I've seen many of y'all, y'all are good, y'all steer conversations, you know. We create relationships, we create dinner parties, we create our agendas, we create our, our schedules for our week. We create, we are creators. So yeah, we're laborers, but more so. Look at your life as a creator. How do we do that? Here's where we get into Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to have actually five, five points today, not three points. But how to live this way as a creator, how your work can matter. So start at the beginning, Genesis 1, and I'm going to read verse 28. So what do we do? And this should be on the screen. First thing we do is to create. We should create. So let's go way, way back. God is creating, and he says... Genesis 1, 28, God blessed them. That would be man and woman. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Stop right there. Highlight on this, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion couple things. First, be fruitful and multiply. Yes, that means kids. That means procreate. But that also means so much more. That means like relationships. We need to be in community. God is the Trinity. God is plural. God is relationship. He's saying, you know, I'm making you out, out of our image. Multiply. Multiply your relationships. Multiply your families. Multiply your communities. Be fruitful in that way. But then he says, subdue. Subdue the earth. And the literal Hebrew in this actually, well, to define it, would mean taking the resources that already exist and use them, uh, control them, uh, change them, harness them for the betterment of God's creation, for his glory. Subdue it. And when you look at the text that way, and then when you look at your life that way, you can say, okay, take what's already here, what has been created, and use it for the betterment of this world, for the betterment of his kingdom. And, and I want to use an example by something that was created by an explicitly non-Christian, although I don't know what happened maybe on his death. I mean, I, I always say, who am I to say what happens in someone's heart, you know, whether someone where they're spending eternity, but, you know, this, this glory of all glories in our life, you know, this, this little thing up here, the iPhone, that uh, Mr. Jobs created. I mean, God rest his soul. I mean, I, I use it constantly, you know, I mean, if I, goodness, I don't even really, you know, talk about idols, talk about false gods. If I count the time I spent on that iPhone versus, you know, prayer or study. But, but anyway, let's not get into that. So the iPhone by Steve Jobs, I mean, you know, you could argue that Steve Jobs, I mean, has used and created and 
glorified God in creation a lot more than Christians have, although he would not claim or he didn't claim Christianity. But now we have this creation that really God created. I mean, God, it's, everything is God's, but God endowed you know, a vision. And so, I mean, we can use these little things to create, create relationships again, create conversations, steer conversations, create work. I mean, all the apps create our leisure. To, we, can, we can use the resources that are already here to create. And I don't know if you look at your life in this way. I don't know if you like see the opportunities that the resources that are already here to subdue them for God's glory those of us who call ourselves Christians, but they are plenty. They are multiple. I mean, it's why we want to harness technology for the church and do creative things. We're creators. You're a creator. Create. Now then, second thought, second point. I would argue, I would contend, we cannot create unless we rest. Rest. Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I'm going to read verse 2 through 3. It says, on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. God blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath. Rest, rest. You know, I preached a sermon back in, uh, I think, February or January about rest. But, you know, got a lot of type A personalities here. Got a lot of success stories here. Got a lot of creators here that don't need me reminding them that they can create. We don't have a lot of folks who like really rest, who really check out. Honestly, who like really honor the Sabbath. And I want to read another verse. And this this will not be up on screen, but it came across. I'm reading through Isaiah this this weekend, and man, this rocked my world. So I was like, I gotta share it with y'all. This is Isaiah 58. 13 and 14. Listen to it. It ties right into rest and the Sabbath. Verse 13, Isaiah 58, 13. Write it down, please, and just go to this verse. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day. Man, that convicted me. Let me say it. Pursuing your own interests on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own way, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs. Man, that convicted me too. i got to say, serving your own interests, pursuing your own affairs. Verse 14, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. Man, that blessed me so much when I read that. I mean, really, I mean, a few verses just really just like bowl me over. But then, I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. And I just want to encourage y'all. Rest, rest. So many of y'all need it. And I'll be honest, I can't, I mean, I can't like create. I can't work well unless I truly rest, unless I take a Sabbath in the week. And I'd encourage y'all too, don't just look at the day, the Sabbath day as your rest. Definitely do that. But more so, then implement Sabbath into each day. We can call it quiet time. We can call it rise with God. I mean, we can call it, you know, just getting away for 30 minutes, an hour. Some of y'all are like, man, you're, I can't do that. You don't know the stress. You don't know the response. We control our time. We, we create our schedules. Everybody can. And I would, man, I would argue, I would contend, you will not fruitfully create whatever it is you do if you do not 
take time to rest. But not only that, I mean, if Isaiah 58 does not pierce you, well, I don't know. Maybe you don't have a pulse. It pierced me. The heights of the earth, God says, if you honor my day, rest. Now, the third thought I have, third point is, get this, and I think this is, as I was going through the message, I was thinking about it, this was like, this was the most apt thing to me, okay? Maybe, maybe it won't be for y'all, but this is like, man, this convicts me the most. This is the most apt. You, if you can't create if you don't fully rest, get this. You can't fully rest if you don't fully trust in the Lord. Trust. Trust. Psalm 127. Go there. Psalm 127. Oh, man, I love these two verses. Psalm 127. I'm not, maybe I'm just like a Bible geek. So these will rock your world. It really will. Psalm 127, 1 and 2. You're like, no, I won't. Well, let's see. Psalm 127, 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Here's why. This should rock you world. This psalm is quoted a lot. Like, you know, we're, we're building the property. Hey, if the Lord, if he doesn't build it, it's going to be in vain. You know, if the Lord's not in it, you know, that, that's how this is always quoted. Verse 2, though. In vain you rise up early and go late to rest. I've spent all my life, and my parents probably listen to this, mom and dad, you're, you're guilty of this, and I'm guilty of this. Many of you are guilty of this. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm so important. I got to get up early. I got to go to bed late. My life is so important. My, my job, my work is so important. My responsibilities are so important. Man, it states it right there. In vain, you get up early. You go to bed late. In vain, we don't trust the Lord. That's what it means. I mean, yeah, if the Lord doesn't build the property, I don't even want to call it church. Here's the church, the people. But if the Lord's not in that, yeah, it'll fall flat. So do I, as preacher, pastor, does you know, our, our leadership, our staff, do we trust him to like work when we're not there and you know, covering every detail? I, many of y'all know the story. That's how we got the property in the first place. We didn't do anything. The Lord swooped in. Do we trust? Do we really trust that God's working when we're not. Ouch. That convicts me. Because it's hard for me too. As I know it's hard for a lot of y'all too. And man, I have seen this so many times in the life of Bellwether, in our people. And I want to preach this now. And man, I pray y'all's heart receives this. Because some of y'all, if you get this, this will change your walk. It'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. And God will work with you so much through you. I see so many folks that have so much potential, whether leadership or skills, and then they are pressing and pressing, and they're up early, and they're to bed late, and they're like, they don't trust in the Lord. And I just want to say, man, just chill. Just chill. That God to do so many greater things through you than you can ever do for him. Let me say that again. God can do so much more through you than you can ever do for him. Trust him. Chill out. Know that he's working when we're resting. We can't rest. We can't really rest unless we trust. Now then, we can't create unless we rest. We can't rest unless we trust. And get this, we can't trust 
unless we praise. Fourth thing, praise. Flip over Psalm 145. Psalm 145. This is verse 10 through 12. We don't really trust him unless we praise him. Let me get this. Psalm 145, verse 10. The psalmist, David, is praising. He said, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Some of you are like, okay, what do you mean, praise? Yeah, David's praising. Yeah, that's a psalm. Some of you Christians say, no, let me get you what this means. Verse 10, the saints. Some of you are like, I'm a Christian, not a saint. Sorry. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can be a saint. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to be a saint. You know, saints are usually martyred. Saints are, you know. No, saints in this translation in the Hebrew, just as saints in the Greek in the New Testament, literally mean those who would say, I'm saved. I, I got Jesus. Doesn't mean how we think of, you know, the saints or sainthood or saintly. It, it would mean what some of y'all hopefully said in your mind. Yeah, I got it, man. I got it. Saved. I, I got a place in heaven. Sa- so you're a saint, biblically speaking. And here this says, The saints shall speak of the glory of your kingdom, tell of your power to make known to the children of men. That passage, this psalm, the children of men are those who are not saved, who do not have Christ, who, uh, you know, atheist, agnostic, other, whatever. What that saying is, the praise is, if we call ourselves Christians, if we have Christ in us, then we are, we are communicating. We, we are telling explicitly, implicitly, with our lives, in our work, the glory of God, the grandeur of his creation, the eternity of his kingdom. I mean, we need to say that. And some of y'all think, well, only saints that know, you know, just standard, average Joe, average Jane, Christians, should tell the wonders of God should praise him. Because see, if we really praise him, then we'll trust him. And if we really trust him, then we'll be able to rest. And if we'll be able to rest, we'll be able to create. And I know some of us, look, I'll let myself in there. We just, man, it all goes back to relying on ourselves, praising the mighty wonder of God. If you're a saint, if you're a Christian, you're going to praise him. Praise. Let me just add this. I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to say this. We have our idols. I've preached about that. Uh, I have, I've seen so much more praising in sports bars, uh, different places, when our teams come to victory. Thursday night, I was with some bellwethers, and there was some praising going on. There was some praise. I have never, I mean, it was, uh, I wish I'd have filmed it. Capitol Grill, you know, 10 of us, and I was one of the last three to leave. And the, the jumping and the rejoicing and, you know, the high-fiving and, you know, I mean, I, of course, you know, I'm thinking, do we praise God like that? Some, some do. I mean, on the whole, no. Should we? So much more. So much more. Not as something you do, but because of something he's done. Say that over and over again. I mean, if you really think about your life, our life, that we have eternity and glory in heaven, can have joy and peace for today, that God can reconcile our relationships, that he works wonders through all things, we can definitely enjoy the good things he's created. And I love some sports. 
and I'm going to praise my teams, and I'm going to go watch them, but it's not the ultimate. And I just ask all of us to think about that. How do we praise God? Because if we praise him, we can trust him. If we trust him, we can rest in him. And then we can go about and create. And then last, the fifth thing is simple. When we praise him, we bring glory to him. The last verse, this is John. Flip to the New Testament. John 17. To me... Uh, this verse rocks my world too. I don't know if it will, y'all. I pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you through it. John 17, verse 10. This is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples, but he's talking about all who claim him, who says, yes, I, I've, I've got Jesus in my heart, in my life. Look at this. Jesus says, all mine are yours, God, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Stop right there. He's saying, all Christians, you, you, those of you who are like, man, I'm just new in my walk, you glorify Jesus. Those like, man, I'm struggling in my walk, you glorify Jesus. Those of us who really say, man, I, I want to work for Jesus, you're, you can glorify him. When we create and we rest and we trust and we praise, we bring glory to Jesus. And we don't have to, like, you know, ask someone, you know, where they're going to spend eternity at that dinner party. We don't have to go into the ministry formally or mission field formally. Although, look, if we take him on, we are all on mission. We're all missionaries. And we can bring glory to him in our work, in our play, as we go in our lives. I only want to close with this. I was thinking, I was driving back today. I was up in North Mississippi, and I was thinking about the glory of God and the praise and why we should praise. And I was staying at my parents over the weekend, and that's, my family's still there. And my grandmother lives right beside my parents. And I went out late last night to tell her goodnight. She's 85, and I just I live right there. And I went out and saw the moon, you know, half moon. I was like, man, it's a beautiful night. It's hot, but it's a beautiful night. And then this morning I got up early to drive down, saw the sun rising, just thinking the grandeur of God and just the, just the awesomeness. I mean, it's, I love mornings and why we should praise him, give glory to him. And when we give glory to him, we glorify Christ. And so I'd ask God, I'd just close with this, man. I mean, I, I really, really, really can't emphasize this enough. I think there's some of you here who need to be born again. Born again. Born again is seeing your life in a different way. Born again is seeing your work in a different way. Born again is seeing your rest in a different way. Born again is trusting in him, chilling out and letting know it. when we're resting, he's working for us. Born again is praising him. Born again is glorifying, giving glory to Christ. I just want to leave you all with that. You, you claim Christ. You say, I got it. How do you see your life? Let's pray. Dear Lord, there are lives here, and I just, you know, we do what we do as, you know, as your prophets to try, to try to put truth out there and say, man, this is truth. This is the way. This is life, and it's Jesus. And I, and I pray all of, for all of us, for me, that daily we'd see our lives anew in Christ and that you would not just shape them, 
but you'd work through us. I pray that for so many of these folks. Lord, I pray they'd truly rest, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but they can only truly rest if they truly trust. And then all of us would trust that you are working when we don't, and you will work and do much, much mightier things through us than we could ever do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.